0: Section seven of the Art or Craft of Rhetoric. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amelia Chesley. The Art or Craft of Rhetoric by Leonard Cox. Of an Oration Demonstrative. The use of an oration demonstrative is in praise or dispraise which kind or manner of oration was greatly used some time in common actions as doth declare the orations of demosthenes and also many of thucydides orations and there been three manners of orations demonstrative the first containeth the praise or dispraise of persons as if a man would praise the king's highness or dispraise some ill person it must be done by an oration demonstrative the second kind of an oration demonstrative is wherein is praised or dispraised not the person but the deed as if a thief put himself in jeopardy for the safeguard of a true man against other thieves and murderers the person cannot be praised for his vicious living but yet the deed is worthy to be commended or if one should speak of peter's denying of christ he hath nothing to dispraise the person save only for this deed the third kind is, wherein is lauded or blamed neither person nor deed, but some other thing as virtue, vice, justice, injury, charity, envy, patience, wrath, and such like. Parts of an Oration The parts of an oration prescribed of rhetoricians are these, the preamble, or exordium, the tale, or narration, the proving of the matter, or contention, and the conclusion of the which parts mention shall be made hereafter in every kind of orations for they are not found generally in every oration but some have more parts and some less of the preamble generally the preamble not alone in oration demonstrative but also in the other two is contained and must be fetched out of three places that is to say of benevolence attention and to make the matter easy to be known which the rhetoricians call docility benevolence is the place whereby the hearer is made willing to hear us and it is contained in the thing that we speak of in them whom we speak to and in our own person the easiest and most used place of benevolence consisteth in the office or duty of the person when we show that it is our duty to do that we be about out of this place is set the preamble of saint gregory nazazane made to the praise of saint basil where he saith that it is his duty to praise saint basil for three causes for the great love and friendship that hath been always between them and again for the remembrance of the most fair and excellent virtues that were in him and thirdly that the church might have an example of a good and holy bishop truly by our author's license me thinketh that in the preamble nazazine doth not only take benevolence out of the places of his own person but also out of the other two when he showeth the cause of his duty for in praising his friend he did but his duty in praising his virtues he came to the place of the benevolence of him that he spake of as touching the example that the church should have it was for their profit and concerning the place of benevolence taken of them that he spake to but our author regarded chiefly the principal proposition which was that st gregory nazizine was bound to praise st basil a like example of benevolence taken out of the place of office or duty is in the oration that Tully made for the poet Archias, which beginneth thus my lords that be here judges if there be in me any wit which i know is but small or if i have any crafty use of making an oration wherein i deny not but that i have neatly exercised myself or if any help to that science cometh out of other liberal arts in whom i have occupied all my life surely i am bound to no man more for them than to arceus which may lawfully if i may do any man any profit by them challenge a chief portion for him therein out of this place did the same tully fetch the beginning of his first epistle in whom he writeth to one lentoul on this manner i do so my duty in all points toward you and so great is the love and reverence that i bear unto you that all other men say that i can do no more and yet me seemeth that i have never done that that i am bound to do either to you or in your cause We may also get benevolence by reason of them whom we make our oration of, as if we say that we can never praise him too highly, but that he is worthy much more laud and praise. And so taketh St. Nazazine benevolence in his said oration for St. Basil. Also of them afore whom we speak, as if we say it is for their profit to laud or praise the person, and that we know very well how much they have always loved him, and that he ought therefore to be praised the more for their sakes. the manner is also to get us benevolence in the preface of our oration by pinching and blaming of our adversary as doth tully in the oration that he made for one aulus cecina wherein he beginneth his poem thus if temerity and lack of shame could as much prevail in pleas afore the justices as doth audacity and temerious boldness in the fields and desert places there were no remedy but even so must allus Cecina be overcome in this matter by sextus abusius impudence as he was in the field overcome by his insidious audacity and these be the common forms of benevolence a man may also fetch his proem out of the nature of the place where he speaketh as tully doth in the oration made for pompeius for the sending of him into asia against king mithridates of pontus and king tigranes of armenia on this manner how be it my lords and masters of this noble city of rome i have all times thought it a singular rejoice to me if i might once see you gathered together in a company to hear some public oration of mine and again i judge no place to be so ample and so honourable to speak in as this is etc or he may begin at the nature of the time that it is then or at some other circumstance of his matter as tully taketh the beginning of his oration for celius at the time this wise if so be it my lord's judges any man be now present here that is ignorant of your laws of your process in judgments and of your customs surely he may well marvel what so heinous a matter this should be that it only should be fit upon in an high feast day when all the commonality after their old custom are given to the sight of plays ordained after a perpetual usage for the nuns for them all matters of the law laid for the time utterly apart he began also another oration for one sextus rossius out of the danger of the season that he spake in one may beside these use other manner of proems which because they are not set out of the very matter itself or else the circumstances as in these aforesaid they are called peregrine or strange proems and they be taken out of sentences solemn petitions manners or customs laws statutes of nations and countries and on this manner doth aristides begin his oration made to the praise of rome demosthenes in his oration made against Esthenes, took his preface out of a solemn petition beseeching the goddess that he might have as good favour in that cause as he had found in all other matters that he had done afore for the commonwealth in like manner beginneth tully the oration that he made for one And also the oration that he made unto the romans after his return from exile he beginneth also another oration which he made as touching a law decreed for the division of fields among the commons out of a custom among them on this wise the manner and custom of our old fathers of rome hath been etc and this is the manner of prefaces in any oration which is also observed in the making of epistles Howbeit, there is far less craft in them than is in an oration there is yet another form and manner to begin by insinuation wherefore it behooveth to know that insinuation is when in the beginning if the matter seem not laudable or honest we find an excuse therefor example homer in his iliad describeth one thersites that he was most foul and evil-favoured of all the greeks that came to the battle of troy for he was both goggle-eyed and lame on the one leg with crooked and pinched shoulders and a long piked head bald in very many places and beside these faults he was a great foolish babbler and right foul-mouthed and full of debate and strife carrying always against the heads and wise men of the army now if one would take upon him to make an oration to the praise of this lossal which matter is of little honesty in itself he must use instead of a preface an insinuation that what thing poets or common fame doth either praise or dispraise ought not to be given credence to but rather to be suspect for once it is in the nature of poets to feign and lie as both homer and virgil which are the princes and heads of all poets, do witness themselves, Of whom Homer saith that poets make many lies, and Virgil saith the most part of the scene is but deceit. Poets have seen bleak fowls under the earth, poets have sinned and made many lies of the pale kingdom of Plato, and of the water of Stegi, and the dogs in Hell, and again common rumors how often they been vain it is so open that it need not to be declared. Wherefore his trust is that the hearers will more regard his saying than feigned fables of poets and flying tales of light folks, which are for the more part the grounders of fame and rumors. An example may be set out of the declamation that Erasmus made to the praise of foolishness. Another example hath the same Erasmus in his second book of Copia, which is this, Plato, in the fifth dialogue of his communality, willeth that no man shall have no wife of his own, but that every woman shall be common to every man. if any man then would either praise or defend this mind of Plato, which is both contrary to Christ's religion and to the common living of men, he might, as Erasmus teaches, begin thus i know very well that this matter which i have determined to speak of will seem unto you at the first hearing not only very strange but also right abominable but that notwithstanding if it will please you a little while to defer your judgment till ye have heard the sum of such reasons as i will bring forth in the cause i doubt nothing but that i shall make the truth so evident that you all will with one assent approve it and knowledge that ye have been hitherto marvellously deceived in your opinion and sumdell to alleviate your minds ye shall understand that i am not myself author of the thing but is the mind and saying of the excellent and most highly named philosopher plato which was undoubted so famous a clerk so discreet a man and so virtuous in all his deeds that ye may be sure he would speak nothing but it were on right perfect ground and that the thing were of itself very expedient though peradventure it show for otherwise at the first hearing in all prefaces or preambles must be good heed taken that they be not too far fet nor too long these effectuous words i rejoice i am sorry i marvel i am glad for your sake i desire i fear i pray god and such other like be very apt for a preface of the second place of a preface called attention the hearers shall be made attent or diligent to give audience if the orator make promise that he will show them new things or else necessary or profitable or if he say that it is an hard matter that he hath in handling or else obscure and not easy to be understood except they give right good attendance Wherefore, it is expedient that if they will have the perception of it, that they give a good ear. But as concerning the newness, or profit, of the matter, it maketh not all only the hearer to give a good ear, which thing is called attention, but also it maketh him well willing to be present, which is benevolence. Docility facility whereby we make the matter plain and easy to be perceived is not greatly required in this kind of oration for it is belonging properly to dark and obscure causes in which we must promise that we will not use great ambushes or to go as men say round about the bush but to be short and plain of narration which is the second part of an oration the narration or tale wherein persons are praised is the declaring of their life and doings after the fashion of an history the places out of which it is sought are the persons birth his childhood his adolescence, his mans state his old age his death and what followeth after in his birth is considered of what stock he came what chanced at the time of his nativity or nigh upon as in the nativity of christ shepherds heard angels sing in his childhood are marked his bringing up and tokens of wisdom coming as horace in his fourth satire showeth how in his childhood his father taught him by examples of such as were then living to flee from vice and to give himself to virtue in adolescence is considered whereto he then giveth himself as in the first comedy of terence one simo telleth his servant sophia though all young men for the more part give themselves to some peculiar thing wherein they set their chief delight as some to have goodly horses some to cherish hounds for hunting and some are given only to their books his son panphilus loved none of these more one than another and yet in all these he exercised himself measurably in man's state and old age is noted what office or rule he bare among his citizens or in his country, what acts he did, how he governed such as were under him, how he prospered, and what fortune he had in such things as he went about. Mm -hmm. Example hereof is in Saluste, which compareth together Cato and Caesar, saying that both their stock, age, and eloquence were almost like and egal their excellency and greatness of spirit and wit was also like an eagle and like fame and worship had they both attained how be it not by a like way caesar was had in great estimation for his benefits and liberality cato had gotten him a name for his perfect and upright living caesar was praised for his gentleness and pity cato was honored for his earnestness and surety the tether won much brute by giving large gifts by helping such as were in distress and by forgiving of trespasses done against him cato's fame did spread because he would neither be forgiven of none offence neither forgive none other but as any man had deserved so to cause him to be dealt with in the one was great refuge to such as were in misery in the other was sore punishment and pernition to misdoers and evil transgressors of the law briefly to conclude it was all caesar's mind and pleasure to labour diligently night and day in his friends causes to care less for his own business than theirs to deny nothing that was worthy to be asked his desire was evermore to be in war to have a great host of men under his governance that by his noble and hardy facts his valiantness might be the more known and spread abroad contrarily all cato's study was on temperance and to do in no manner otherwise than was convenient and fitting for such a man as he was and chiefly he set his mind to severity he never made no comparison with the rich man in richesse nor with the mighty man in power but if need required with the hardy man in boldness with the temperate in moderation, with the good man in innocency, and just dealing. He cared not for the name, it was sufficient to him to have the deed, and so the less he cared for glory, the more always he obtained. Many such comparisons, very profitable for this intent, are also in Plutarch in his Book of Noble Men's Lives. A goodly ensemble of this place is in the oration that Hermelaus Barbarus made to the Emperor Frederick and Maximilian his son, which, for because it is so long, I let it pass. A like example is in Tully's oration that he made to the people of Rome for Pompeius to be sent against Mithridates. Some there be that divide the lots of persons into three kinds of goods, beginning the narration at them, which thing our author doth not greatly commend, but rather in rehearsing of any person's deeds if there cannot be kept an order of history, and many things must be spoken. It were after his mind best to touch first his acts done by prudence, and next by justice, thirdly by fortitude of the mind, and last by temperance, and so to gather their narration out of this four cardinal virtues, as if one should praise saint austin after that he hath spoken of his parential and bringing up in youth and is come to the rehearsal of his acts they may be conveniently distributed into the places of virtues on this manner did tully praise pompey i suppose saith he that in a hymn that should be a head captain over a great army ought to be four things knowledge of war valiantness authority and felicity. Here is to be noted that in rehearsing any person's acts, we may have our chief respect to some peculiar and principal virtue in him, enlarging and exalting it by amplification in manner of a digression. Our author in this work maketh no mention of the last place, that is death, and such things as follow after, but in another greater work he declareth it thus briefly the death of the person hath also his praises as of such which have been slain for the defence of their country or prince a very goodly example for the handling of this place is in an epistle that angel polician writeth in his fourth book of epistles to james antiquary of lawrence medicis how wisely and devoutly he disposed himself in his deathbed and of his departing and what chanced at that time and so to conclude an oration demonstrative wherein persons are lauded is an historical exposition of all his life in order and there is no difference between this kind and an history save that in histories we be more brief and use less curiosity here all things be augmented and colored with as much ornaments of eloquence as can be had Confirmation of our purpose, and confuting or reproving of the contrary, which are the parts of contention, are not requisite in this kind of oration, for here are not treated any doubtful matters to whom contention pertaineth. Nevertheless, sometime it happeneth, howbeit it is seldom, that a doubt may come which must be either defended, or at the least excused. Example the french men in old time made mighty war against the romans and so sore besieged them that they were by compulsion constrained to fall to composition with the french men for an huge sum of gold to be paid to them for the breaking of the siege but being in this extreme misery they sent for one camillus whom not very long afore they had banished out of the city and in his absence made him dictator which was the chiefest dignity among the romans and of so great authority that for the space of three months for so long dured the office most conveniently he might do all thing at his pleasure whether it concerned death or no for no man so hardy once to say nay against any thing that he did so that for the space he was as a king having all in his own mere power now it chanced that while this sum was in paying and not fully weighed camillus of whom i said afore that being in exile he was made dictator came with an army and anon bade cease of the payment and that each party should make ready to battle and so he vanquished the french men now if one should praise him of his noble fates it should seem that this was done contrary to the law of arms to defeat the french men of the ransom due to them since the compact was made afore wherefore it is necessary for the orator to defend this deed and to prove that he did nothing contrary to equity for the which purpose he hath two places one apparent which is a common saying usurped of the poet delos an viris quis in ofte requirat that is to say who will search whether the deed of enemy against enemy be either guile or pure valiantness but for that in war law is as well to be kept as in other things this saying is but of a feeble ground the other is of a more strong assurance which titus livius writeth in his fifth book from the building of rome where he rehearseth this history now mentioned and that answer is this that the compact was made to pay the foresaid ransom after that camillus was created dictator at what time it was not lawful that they which were of far less authority yea and had put themselves wholly in his hand should enter meddle them with any manner of treaties without his licence and that he was not bound to stand to their bargain the which argument is deduct out of two circumstances whereof one is the time of the making of the compact and the other the persons that made it which two circumstances may briefly be called when and who. Likewise, if an oration should be made to the Lord of St. Peter, it behooveth to excuse his denying of Christ, that it was rather of divine power and will than otherwise, for a comfortable example to sinners of grace if they repent. This is the manner of handling of an oration demonstrative in which the person is praised the author in his greater work declareth the fashion by this example if one would praise king charles he should keep in his oration this order first in declaring his parentile that he was king pippin's son which was the first of all kings of france named the most christian king and by whom all after him had the same name and nephew to martel the most valiantest prince that ever was next his bringing up under one peter Pesain, of whom he was instruct both in greek and latin then his adolescency which he passed in exercise of arms under his father in the wars of aquitaine where he learned also the cerezynes tongue being come to mans state and now king of france he subdued aquitaine italy suavelland and the saxons And these wars were so fortunate that he overcame his adversaries more by authority and wisdom than by effusion of blood. Also, many other notable examples of virtue were in him in that age, especially that he edified the University of Paris. Here may by digression be declared how goodly a thing learning is in princes. Chiefly such condition appertaineth to virtue and a good living here may be also made comparison of his virtues in war and of other agreeing with peace in the which as his history maketh mention he was more excellent for his chief delight was to have peace and again he was so gentle and so merciful that he would rather save even such as had done him great offence and had deserved very well for to die than to destroy them though he might do it conveniently beside this he was so greatly inflamed in the love of god and his holy church that one Alquine, a noble clerk of england was continually with him in whose preaching and other ghostly communication he had chief pleasure his old age he passed in rest and quietness fortunately save for one thing that his sons agreed evil between them after his decease reigned his son holy st louis and so the followings of his death were such that they could be no better and a very great token of his good and virtuous living for if an ill tree can bring forth no good fruit what shall we suppose of this noble king charles of whom came so virtuous and so holy a son truly methinks that hither may be not inconveniently applied the sayings of the gospel by their fruits ye shall know them. Of an oration demonstrative, wherein an act is praised. When we will praise any manner of deed, the most apt preamble for that purpose shall be to say that the matter pertaineth to the commodities of them which hear us. Example, when the Romans had expelled their king, whom the historians call Tarquin the Proud, out of the city and fully enacted that they would never have king to reign more over them this Tarquinus went for aid and succour to the king of tuscae which when he could by no means entreat the romans to receive again their king he came with all his puissance against the city and there long space besieged the romans by reason whereof great penury of wheat was in the city and the king of tuscae had great trust that continuing the siege he should within a little longer space compel the romans through famine to yield themselves. in the mean season a young man of the city named caius mucius came to the senators and showed them that he was purposed if they would give him license to go forth of the city to do an act that should be for their great profit and wealth whereupon when he had obtained license privily with weapon hid under his vesture he came to the tuscan's camp and got him among the thickest nigh to the tent where as the king sat with his chancellor paying the soldiers their wages and by cause that they were almost of like apparel and also the chancellor spake many things as a man being in authority he could not tell whether of them was the king nor he durst not ask lest his demand would have berate him for as for language they had one and nothing was different for both tuscans and romans were all of italy as in times past england hath had many kings though the language and people were one and thus being in doubt whether of them he might step unto by chance he strike the chancellor instead of the king and slew him wherefore when he was taken and brought before the king for to punish his hand that had failed in taking one for another and again to show the king how little he cared for his menaces he thrust his hand into the fire which at that time was there prepared for sacrifice and there in the flame let it burn not once moving it the king greatly marvelling at his audacity and hardy nature commended him greatly thereof and bade him go his way free for the which as though he would make the king a great amends he feigned that three hundred of the noblest young men of rome had conspired together in like manner every one after another unawares to slay him and all to put their bodies and lives in hazard till time should chance that one might achieve their intent for fear whereof the king forthwith fell at an appointment with the romans and departed the young man afterward was named skyvila which is as much to say in english as left handed for as i have rehearsed afore he brent his right hand so that he had lost the use thereof if any orator would in an oration commend this deed he might conveniently make the preface on this fashion there is no doubt my lords and masters of rome but that the remembrance of scryvilla's name is very pleasant unto your audience which with one act that he did endowed your city with many and great commodities etc this manner of preface is most convenient and best annexed to such manner of orations demonstratives nevertheless it is lawful for us to take our preface if it be our pleasure out of some circumstance as out of the place that our oration is made in or out of the time that we spake in or else otherwise according as we shall have occasion as tully in the oration that he made for the restitution of marcus marcellus in the which he praiseth caesar for the calling home of the said marcus marcellus out of exile he taketh his preamble out of the time and caesar's person beginning thus this day my lord's senators hath made an end of the long silence that i have kept a great while not for any fear that i had but part for great sorrow that was in me and partly for shame this day as i said hath taken away that long silence yea and beside that of new brought to me lust and mind to speak what i would and what i thought most expedient like as i was afore wont to do for i cannot in no manner of wise refrain but i must needs speak of the great meekness of caesar of the graciousness that is in him so abundant and so great withal that never afore any such hath been wont to be seen or heard of and also of the excellent good moderation of all things which is in him that hath all in his own mere power nor i cannot let pass this excellent incredible and divine wisdom unspoken of afore you at this time of the narration in this kind we use but seldom whole narrations unless we make our oration afore them that know not the history of the act or deed which we be about to praise but instead of a narration we use a proposition on this manner among all the noble deeds caesar that you have done there is none that is more worthy to be praised than this restitution of Marc Marcel, of confirmation which is the first part of contention the places of confirmation are honesty profit lightness or hardness of the deed for after the prohem of the oration and the narration then go we to the proving of our matter first showing that it was a very honest deed and next that it was not all only honesty but also profitable thirdly as concerning the easiness or difficulty the praise thereof must be considered part in the doer and part in the deed an easy deed deserveth no great praise but an hard and an jeopardous thing the sooner and the lightlier it is achieved the more it is to be lauded the honesty of the cause is fet from the nature of the thing that is spoken of which place lieth in the wit of the orator and may also be fet out of the philosopher's books it is also copiously declared of rhetoricians and very compendiously handled of erasmus in his book entitled of the manner and craft to make epistles in the chapter of a persuading epistle the prophet of the deed or the commodity may be set at the circumstance of it circumstances are these what was done who did it when where it was done among whom and by whose help as if one would praise scyvalus act of the which mention was made afore he may when he cometh to the places of contention show first how honest a deed it is for any man to put his life in jeopardy for the defence of his country which is so much the more to be commended that it came of his own mind and not by the instigation of any other and how profitable it was to the city to remove so strong and so puissant an enemy by so good and crafty policy what time the city was not well assured of all men's minds that were within the walls considering that but a little afore many noble young men were detect of treason in the same business. And then also the city was almost destitute of vitals and all other commodities necessary for the defense. Likewise, easiness or difficulty are contained in the circumstances of the cause. As in the example now spoken of, what an hard enterprise it is for one man to enter into a king's army and to come to the king's pavilion in the face of his soldiers to adventure to slay him. Of the second part of contention, called confutation. Confutation is the foiling of such arguments as may be induced against our purpose, which part is but little used in an oration demonstrative. Nevertheless, some time may chance a thing that must be either defended or else at the least excused as if any man would speak of camillus deed whereby he recovered his country and delivered it from the hands of the frenchmen here must be declared that the bargain made afore was not by camillus violet of the conclusion the conclusion is made of a brief enumeration of such things that we have spoken of afore in the oration and in moving of affections in delectable things or such things that have been well done we move our audience to rejoice thereat and to do like in sad things and heavy to be sorry for them in ill and perverse acts to beware that they follow not them to their great shame and confusion of an oration demonstrative wherein are praised neither persons nor acts but some other thing as religion matrimony or such other the best beginning will be if it be taken out of some high praise of the thing but a man may also begin otherwise either at his own person or at theirs afore whom he speaketh or at the place in the which he speaketh or at the season present or otherwise as hath afore been specified and here must we take good heed that if we take upon us to praise any thing that is not praiseworthy then must we use insinuation and excuse the turpitude either by examples or by arguments as erasmith doth in his epistle prefixed afore his oration made to the praise of foolishness of which i have let pass the translation because the epistle is somewhat long the narration in this manner of oration is no narration but instead thereof the rhetoricians all only propose the matter and this proposition is in the stead of the narration a very elegant example is in the oration that angel politaine made to the lot of histories which is this among all manner of writers by whom either the greek tongue or the latin hath been in flower and excellence without doubt Meseemeth that they did most profit to mankind, by whom the excellent deeds of nations, princes, or valiant men have been truly described and put in chronicles. Likewise, if a man praise peace and show what a commodious thing it is, he may make such a proposition. Among all the things which pertain to man's commodity, of whatsoever condition or nature soever they be, none is so excellent and so worthy to be had in honour and love as is peace. THE CONFIRMATION The places of confirmation be in this oration, the same that were in the other, of whom mention was made afore, honesty, profit, easiness, or difficulty. Honesty is considered in the nature of the thing, also in the persons that have exercised it, and the inventors thereof, and in the author of it as in the law of matrimony be considered the author thereof which was god himself the antiquity that was made in this first beginning of the world and continued as reason is to this hour in great honour and reverence the persons that have used it were both patriarchs as abraham prophets as david apostles as saint peter martyrs saint eustace and confessors as saint edward and which thing was first proposed the nature thereof is such that without it man should be like unto beast unless all generations should be put apart and the commandment of almighty god not regarded who bade man and woman should engender and multiply profit and easiness is considered in the circumstances examples may be taken out of polycyon's orations made to the laud of histories, and two orations of Erasmus, one to the laud of physic, and the other to the laud of matrimony. Of Confutation Confutation hath contrary places to confirmation. Of the Conclusion The period or conclusion standeth in the brief enumeration of things spoken afore, and in moving the affections as hath been above expressed. End of section seven.